Reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Asrhil Aziz stated that the accounts from the life of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu were being narrated, and I will continue to mention them today. Zaid bin Aslam relates that his father once stated that I accompanied Hazrat Umar bin Khattab to Harra Waqim. This was located between two Harras and a harra is an area which has a dark rocky terrain. Harra Waqim is situated towards the east of Medina and is also known as Harra Banu Quraiza. The other area is called Harratul Wabra which is located towards the west of Medina at a distance of three miles. In any case, he further narrates that I went there, i.e. to Harra Waqim, and when we reached a place called Sarar, we saw that a campfire had been lit there. Sarar is also situated at a distance of three miles from Medina. Upon seeing this, Hazrat Umar stated that, O Aslam, I believe that these are travellers who have been held back due to the night and the cold weather. So come, let us go to them. Hence, we quickly went towards them and saw a woman with her children. And there was a pot placed on the fire and her children were profusely crying due to hunger. Hazrat Umar stated that, O people of the light, may peace be upon you. Hazrat Umar did not wish to say the people of the fire and said people of the light instead. The woman replied that may peace be upon you as well. Hazrat Umar then asked permission to come closer and the woman replied that you may do so with a good purpose, otherwise you may turn back. In other words, that if you wish to say something good, then you may do so, and if not, you may turn back. Upon this, Hazrat Umar came closer and asked what the matter was. The woman stated that the night and the cold have kept us here. Upon this, Hazrat Umar asked that what is the matter with the children and why are they crying like this? The lady replied that they are doing so out of hunger. Hazrat Umar then asked that what was in the pot. She replied that it only contains water and through this I am comforting my children with it until they fall asleep and Allah will judge between us and Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 
Hazrat Umar said that, O lady, may Allah have mercy on you. How could Umar have known about your circumstances? She replied that he is the guardian of our affairs and yet he is unaware of our circumstances. Aslam, who was accompanying Hazrat Umar, says that Hazrat Umar then came to me and said that, come with me. We once again walked very quickly and reached Darud Dakir. Hazrat Umar had constructed a building by the name of Darud Dakir during his Khilafat, in which flour, parched and ground barley, dates, raisins and other necessary items were stored, which a traveller could need on a journey. Moreover, Hazrat Umar had also constructed several rest areas for people travelling between Mecca and Medina. In any case, he further narrates that Hazrat Umar took hold of a sack of grains and a container of oil from there and then asked me to help him lift it so he could carry it. Aslam further narrates that I submitted that let me lift this for you, but Hazrat Umar repeated two or three times to help him so that he could carry it himself. However, each time I requested that I will carry it for him. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated, Will you carry my burden on the Day of Judgment? Upon this, I helped place the sack on him and Hazrat Umar carried this sack on his back and walked very swiftly and I also quickly walked alongside him until we reached that woman. Hazrat Umar then placed that sack near her and took out some flour and stated, that slowly pour this into the pot while I stir it for you. In another narration, it is written that Hazrat Umar stated that slowly pour the flour and I will prepare for you harira, which is a native Arab dish made of milk and flour. Hazrat Umar then started blowing under the pot in order to kindle the fire. Aslam, who is narrating this tradition, further states that Hazrat Umar had a long and thick beard and I saw that the smoke was appearing from his bed. In other words, the smoke would rise and go on his face and also go into his bed. He further states that when the food was ready, Hazrat Umar removed the pot from the fire and asked for a utensil to be brought, upon which the lady brought a large plate. Hazrat Umar poured the food into it and said that feed this to your children while I spread it out for you so that it may cool down. In other words, he would spread it and cool it in another utensil. Hazrat Umar then continued to do so until the children had eaten their fill and whatever remained of the food he left with the lady. Aslam then further narrates that Hazrat Umar then stood up and I also stood up with him. Upon this the lady stated that may Allah the Almighty reward you in the best manner for you are more deserving of this i.e. reward than Amirul Mu'mineen i.e. the leader of the faithful. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that you should speak that which is good. When you go to Amirul Mu'mineen, you will find me there, inshallah. Then Aslam further states that following this, Hazrat Umar went to one side and sat down facing the woman. I asked Hazrat Umar that is there anything else left to do? Hazrat Umar did not say a word to me until we saw the children playing with each other and laughing and then all of them peacefully went to sleep. After this, 
Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu expressed his gratitude to Allah the Almighty and then stood up and turned towards me and said, O Aslam, these children were awake and crying due to hunger. And so I desired not to leave this place until I was able to witness this peaceful state of theirs which I have just seen for myself. Hazrat Muslim has also narrated this incident. He states that if one cannot have access to the essential provisions, it is then the duty of the Muslim government to provide them. Here, Hazrat Muslim is outlining the responsibilities of a Muslim government. He further states that there is an incident of Hazrat Umar in relation to this, which is extremely moving and reveals the true reality. On one occasion, the second Khalifa was observing whether any of the Muslims were facing any hardship and there was a village called Marar situated three miles from the capital of Medina. However, according to our researchers, they say that it was not Marar but Sarar and it is possible that this was an error by the scribe who mistakenly wrote Marar. In any case, Hazrat Muslim who further states that Hazrat Umar heard some crying from one side and went towards the south and he saw that a woman was cooking something whilst her children were crying and so Hazrat Umar inquired as to what had happened and she replied that we have gone hungry for the last two to three meals as we do not have any food the children could not bear it and so I placed an empty pot on the fire so they feel some comfort that food is coming and fall asleep upon hearing this Hazrat Umar immediately returned to Medina and he took some flour, butter, meat and dates and then placed them in a sack Hazrat Umar then told one of his assistants to place the sack on his back and the assistant submitted that Your Holiness, I am here and I can hold it for you. But Hazrat Umar stated that there is no doubt that you can lift this for me now but who will carry my burden on the Day of Judgment? In other words, it was his duty to take care of their provisions and since there had been an oversight from him in this regard therefore as an expiation for this he himself would carry all the provisions and personally deliver them. Hazrat Muslim who writes that an allowance was assigned for every one of those in need. But from this incident, one should not think that this instilled indolence within people. Hazrat Muslim who writes that where Islam instructs one to look out for the welfare of those who are in need, at the same time, it also seeks to remove laziness and indolence, as was mentioned earlier in relation to this, that the allowances were not assigned so that one becomes lazy and indolent. The purpose of fixing this allowance was not so that people give up work. In fact, these allowances were only given to those who were in need, but generally people were not permitted to seek from others. In fact, Hazrat Umar would take very strict action in order to stop people from seeking from others. It was not the case that if someone was hungry, he would give them food, or if someone came to seek something, he would just give it. In fact, if the person seeking from others was able and healthy to work, then in such an instance, Hazrat Umar would take very strict action. On one occasion, Hazrat Umar saw someone seeking from others and he had plenty of flour with him. He was seeking from others and yet he had flour with him. Hazrat Umar took the flour away from him and put it before the camels. And thus he no longer had any flour with him. And then Hazrat Umar said, And now you may ask others. 
From this, it is evident that those who would seek from others were in fact encouraged to work. And if they were able and healthy, then they had no reason to seek from others. Rather, they ought to work hard and earn money and eat thereof. And so through this, Hazrat Umar taught the man a lesson that if he would seek from others again, then he would again take his food provisions away from him and place them before the animals. Many of those who seek from others present this example of Hazrat Umar in order to support their stance in that how he would look after the people. But they fail to recognize the fact that Islam has very strictly prohibited seeking from others. Moreover, the example of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in relation to this is also there, which Hazrat Umar implemented upon. Then, whilst narrating this incident on another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Allah stated that look at the example of Hazrat Umar. On the one hand, the great leaders of the world would tremble in fear owing to his awe and reputation. Even the governments of the Byzantine and Persians would fear him. But on the other hand, a person of such a lofty rank like Umar became greatly anxious upon seeing a Bedouin woman and her children hungry in the night. And so he took a sack of flour and container of butter in his hand and went to them. And he did not return from there until he had cooked the food with his own hands and gave it to the children and then waited for them to sleep. Hazrat Umar radiallahu's freed slave, Aslam, who was mentioned previously as well, states that a group of traders once arrived in Medina and they stayed in the area designated to perform the Eid prayer. Hazrat Umar stated to Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf that would you like it if we stood guard in the night for them? Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf replied in the affirmative. And so both of them stood guard for them all night and spent the time in worshipping Allah. During this time, Hazrat Umar heard the cry of a child and he went towards the sound of the cry and said to the mother, that fear Allah and take proper care of your child. After saying this, Hazrat Umar returned. In other words, he returned to the place where they were guarding the provisions of the traders. But again, Hazrat Umar heard the cry of the child and went to the mother again and said the same thing to her as he had stated earlier and then returned. When the night entered its latter part, Hazrat Umar heard the child's cry again and so he went to his mother and said that you are extremely negligent for I have noticed that your child has been crying all night. Upon this, the woman replied that, O servant of Allah, I am trying to convince him to eat something else other than drink my milk. But he continues to refuse and only wants the milk. Hazrat Umar inquired as to why she did this. And she stated that because Hazrat Umar only assigns an allowance for those children who are not suckling. Hazrat Umar then asked the child's age and she told him. Hazrat Umar then stated that do not stop suckling the child prematurely. Thereafter, Hazrat Umar led the Fajr prayer and owing to his emotions, his recitation could not even be heard properly by the congregants. Hazrat Umar then said to himself, Woe be unto you, O Umar, for you have taken the life of so many children of the fellow Muslims. Hazrat Umar then issued an instruction to the person who made the announcements to announce that they should not stop suckling the children prematurely. As of now, in Islam an allowance will be fixed for every child from the moment they are born. 
Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu then sent this instruction to all the Muslim lands. This particular incident has also been narrated by Hazrat Muslim radiyallahu ta'ala anhu in his own unique manner. He states that initially Hazrat Umar did not fix any allowance for those children who were suckling. But later he established the right for an allowance of children who were still being suckled and issued an instruction that this allowance should be given to their mothers. Hazrat Umar thought that since a child who is still being nursed does not actively contribute to the society and thus the responsibility for providing the provisions to the child lies with the mother and not the public treasury. However, once Hazrat Umar went for a walk and a group of Bedouin traders had arrived just outside of the city, Hazrat Umar heard the cries of a child coming from a tent and the mother was trying to console the child by tapping a hand on him so that he would fall asleep. When the child continuously cried despite her consoling him, the mother slapped the child and said, A cry for Umar. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was shocked because he had nothing to do with this. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu sought permission from the lady to enter the tent and then inquired the matter from her. Since she did not recognize Hazrat Umar, she stated that Umar has fixed an allowance for everyone, but he does not realize that this child is also in need of nourishment. I have stopped suckling him as I wanted him to be assigned with an allowance, but I do not have enough milk. Hazrat Umar radiallahu immediately returned and took out a sack of flour from the treasury and carried it with him. The attendant of the treasury came forward to help, but Hazrat Umar radiallahu stated that leave it, I shall carry it myself. When I will be whipped on the day of judgment, will you stand in my place? Hazrat Umar then stated that I wonder how many children have died as a result of me. Thereafter, Hazrat Umar issued an instruction that even those children that were being suckled will be assigned an allowance. The promised Messiah states, in the hadith it has been narrated by Amar bin Khazama that Hazrat Umar said to my father, that what has stopped you from planting trees on your land? His father, who was no longer planting any new trees and nor increasing his orchard or perhaps was not replacing the withered plants with new ones, he replied that I am old and I will soon pass away. Therefore, what benefit will this be to me? Upon this, Hazrat Umar replied that this is no reason for you to not do this. It is incumbent for you to plant trees. He then states that I saw that Hazrat Umar would help my father personally plant the trees. The promised Messiah also narrated this account in relation to safeguarding oneself from indolence and laziness. And he stated that this person was eating the fruits of the previous generation, in other words the plants which had already been planted, but he also ought to leave something behind for the future generation as well. Hazrat Muslim states that Hazrat Umar would walk in the nights in order to observe the state of affairs. Once he was walking in the city at night and he heard a woman reciting very romantic poetry in the memory of her husband. Hazrat Umar investigated the matter and learned that her husband was in the army and would be away from her for a long period of time. Hazrat Umar then issued an instruction that a soldier must not be sent away for more than four months. 
and if he desired to stay for longer, then he must take his wife with him. Otherwise, the commander of the army must send him back after four months. In relation to this incident, it is also mentioned that Hazrat Umar stated to the woman who was reciting these couplets that have you committed any ill deed? To which he replied that I seek refuge with Allah. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that remain steadfast, I am sending a letter to your husband. And so, Hazrat Umar sent a messenger so that he returned. Hazrat Umar then further investigated into the matter and then, as mentioned earlier, that he issued an instruction that a husband should not be sent away for more than a duration of four months or his family should be sent with him. Aslam, the freed slave of Hazrat Umar relates that one night I went to the outskirts of Medina along with Hazrat Umar. We saw a tent and decided to go towards it. And as we got closer, we heard a woman experiencing the pains of labour and was crying. Hazrat Umar inquired about her condition and she stated that she was not from the area and was travelling and therefore did not have the necessary provisions. Upon this, Hazrat Umar began to cry and quickly returned home. And he said to his wife, Hazrat Umm Kulsum bint Ali ta'ala anha, that would you like to attain a reward which Allah the Almighty has brought to you? Hazrat Umar ta'ala anha then related the entire incident, to which Hazrat Umm Kulsum said that yes, of course. Hazrat Umar then carried some flour and butter on his back, whilst Hazrat Umm Kulsum took the necessary provisions required for a delivery, and they both arrived there. Hazrat Umm Kulsum then went to that woman and Hazrat Umar sat with her husband who was also there at the time but he did not recognize Hazrat Umar Hazrat Umar began talking to him and when his wife had given birth to a son Hazrat Umm Kulsum came out and said to Hazrat Umar that O leader of the faithful Amirul Mu'mineen give glad tidings to your friend for he has been blessed with a son And it was only when he heard Hazrat Umm Kulsum say this that this individual realized that he was sitting next to such a great person and thus began to apologize. Hazrat Umar stated that there was no need to apologize and then gave them some money and other provisions and then returned. Sayyid bin Musayyab and Abu Salama bin Abdul Rahman relate that by God, whatever Hazrat Umar had said, he truly fulfilled it. When it was time to be strict, he showed strictness, and when it was time to show leniency and compassion, he did so, and became a father figure for the children. To the extent that those women whose husbands were away, he would personally visit their homes and offer his greetings of peace from the door and then ask them, that are you in need of anything or do you require anything and I will go to the market and buy it for you because I would not like that someone to cheat you in matters of buying and selling. The women would then send their children along with him. Hazrat Umar would enter the marketplace and there would be so many children behind him that it would be difficult to count. 
Hazrat Umar would then purchase the items of need for each one and those women who did not have any children, he would buy it for them himself. Whenever a messenger arrived from the army, Hazrat Umar would personally take the letters from their husbands and deliver it to them and he would say that your husbands have left for the sake of Allah and you dwell in the city of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. If you have someone who can read the letter for you, then that is fine. Otherwise, you can stand near the door and I will read out the letter for you. Hazrat Umar would then say that our messenger will leave from here on such and such day and you can write your letters and we will send them for you. Hazrat Umar would then deliver paper and pens to their houses and those who could write themselves, he would take their letters and those who were not able to write, he would say that here is the paper and ink, come near the door and say what you would like me to write. Hazrat Umar would go to every single house and take their letters they had written for their husbands and he would then send them. Hazrat Ali radiallahu relates that I saw that Hazrat Umar was once holding the saddle of a camel and was quickly going towards Apta. Apta is the name of a place situated near Makkah and Mina. Upon seeing him, I said that, O Amirul Mu'mineen, I leader of the faithful, where are you going? Hazrat Umar replied that one of the camels which had been donated for charity has run away and I'm going to search for it. Upon this, I said to Hazrat Umar that you have set such examples for those Khulafa who shall come after you, which will not be easy to follow. Upon this, Hazrat Umar replied that, O Abul Hassan, do not say anything against me, for I swear by him who sent Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as a prophet, even if a baby goat went missing near the Euphrates River, Umar will be asked about it on the Day of Judgment. Hazrat Muslim Aoud states, that during the time of Hazrat Umar Khilafat, a Muslim man was once walking with his head lowered. Hazrat Umar thought that perhaps he had received some sad news or was experiencing some difficulty and hence had his head lowered. Hazrat Umar lifted his face up with his fist and stated that this is the era of Islam's victories and yet you have lowered your head. In other words, this was an era wherein God Almighty had granted governance to Islam despite the efforts of the world opposing it. And so, even if he did experience a little difficulty, there was no need to lower his head like that. Hazrat Umar then stated that if you have absolute faith that Islam will be victorious, then there is no need to cry over minor issues. And even if some of the Muslims in a particular place had to endure some loss, there was still no reason to cry or be worried. Hazrat Muslim Aoud mentioned this incident after the migration from Qadian. And Hazrat Muslim Aoud stated that a believer should not look at what they have lost. Even if they have suffered a loss, they should not look at what they have lost. Rather, they should look at for whose sake they have lost it for. He stated that if something has been lost for the sake of Allah the Almighty and for the progress of Islam, 
then Allah the Almighty will grant an even better reward than that. One should not become worried over temporary loss. Similarly, Hazrat Muslim anhu cites a well-known incident of Hazrat Umar anhu, from which he concludes that though Hazrat Umar anhu had to endure hardships, he did not mind doing so, and he established such equality which Islam seeks to establish throughout the world. The incident is as follows. That Jabala bin Ahm used to be a prominent chief of a Christian tribe, and when Muslims began conquering Syria, he along with his tribe accepted Islam and then proceeded to go for Hajj. During Hajj, at one point there was a large crowd and incidentally another Muslim stepped on his foot. In some narrations, it is stated that the Muslim stepped on the hem of his robe. And since Jabala considered himself to be a king and seeing as there were 60,000 people who followed him, in fact, according to some historical accounts, 60,000 were just the numbers of his soldiers. But in any case, when a partially clothed Muslim man stepped on his foot, he was enraged and slapped him, and then stated that you wish to dishonor me? Do you not know who I am? You should have moved back out of respect, yet you have impudently stepped on my foot. After having been slapped, the Muslim man remained silent. However, another Muslim spoke up, saying that are you aware of the fact that the religion which you have entered is Islam? And Islam does not distinguish between ordinary and prominent people. Especially in this home, i.e. the holy Ghaba around which he was performing circuits. And there is considered to be no difference between the rich and the poor. Upon this, Jabla replied that I do not care about this. The Muslim said that if a complaint against you is made to Umar, then he will surely take retribution for you for this Muslim. When Jabullah bin Ahm heard this, he became furious and said, Is there anyone who would slap the face of Jabullah ibn Ahm? Upon this, the Muslim man said, That I do not know about anyone else, but this is how Umar would settle the matter. Upon hearing this, Jabullah quickly completed circulating the Kaaba and then went straight to the gathering of Hazrat Umar and asked that if a prominent person slaps an ordinary man, then what do you do? Hazrat Umar replied that we will have the ordinary person slap the prominent person. Jabla then said that you have not understood what I mean to say. What I mean to say is that if there is an extremely prominent person who slaps an ordinary person, then what do you do? Hazrat Umar said that in Islam there is no discrimination between the prominent and the ordinary. Hazrat Umar then said that Jabla, is it you who has committed this fault? Upon this, Jabla lied and said that he had not slapped anyone and that he had simply asked a question. However, he left that gathering immediately and returned to his country with his people, after which they became apostates and fought alongside the Byzantines in the battle against Muslims. However, Hazrat Umar did not show any concern for him. Thus, this was the level of equality which was established by the Muslim government and this is a lesson for the Muslim governments of today as well. Inshallah, these narrations will continue in the future sermons. At this time, I will mention some deceased members. The first mention is of Abdul Wahid Baraj Sahib, 
who was the local president of the community in Walshut, Germany, and was formerly the national president of Qudam al-Ahmadiyyah and also the former national secretary for Tirbiyat in Switzerland. He passed away on 12th May at the age of 41 upon falling ill during his descent after successfully climbing Mount Everest and raising the flag of Ahmadiyyat at its peak. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He is survived by his wife, three sons, two daughters, his parents, one brother and two sisters. The national president of the Jamaat in Switzerland, Tariq Mudassar Sahib writes that from the very outset till his demise, Abdul Wahid Varaj Sahib remained an active member of the community, both as a member of the community and as an office bearer. He was an exemplary and loyal Ahmadi. Abdul Wahid Varaj Sahib would always carry out his responsibilities pertaining to the community with great humility and there was no sign of arrogance in him. Not only did he preach helping others, but established his own example in this regard. He went to Africa for various IEEE projects where he served the people and many youngsters went to Africa after seeing his example. He further states that when he was appointed as the national president of Khudam al-Ahmadiyyah, he searched for new ways to carry out the education and moral training of the youth and to save them from the materialistic mentality and allures of Europe. His financial sacrifices were also of an exemplary standard. One of his sons, Talla Varaj, is studying in Jamia Ahmadiyya, Germany. And Amir Sahib further writes that he raised his children well, as a result of which his son is studying in Jamia. In short, the late Abdul Wahid Varaj Sahib was an exemplary Ahmadi who fulfilled the rights owed to God and the rights owed to his creation. The non-Ahmadis have also expressed their sorrow upon his passing. Mr. Stephen Lord writes that I worked with Wahid Varaj Sahib for many years in a company called Swisscom, which is Switzerland's largest telecommunications company. I worked with him and his team for about a year, and my respect for him was not only because of his aptitude in his field of work, but especially because of the way in which he carried himself. Wahid Varaj Sahib always exhibited excellent morals, helped others, and was an honest and trustworthy individual. I also enjoyed speaking to him about things not related to work. Murabi Sahib writes that the deceased possessed many great qualities. He loved Khilafat, he regularly offered the Friday prayers at the mosque and strove to offer the other prayers at the mosque as well. He also regularly offered the Tahajjud prayer as well. The National Secretary of Finance, Rizwan Sahib, writes that he used to work at the Microsoft branch in Switzerland as a software engineer. Once, he told me that the Microsoft branch in Switzerland was shutting down and was moving to Silicon Valley and they offered him to go along. They said that they would provide everything, his salary would increase and they would also help him move everything from Switzerland. However, he said that he refused because he could not leave his responsibilities to the community and he could not abandon them and leave to Silicon Valley. 
He then stated that after a few days, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, that branch was brought by a large Swiss company called Swisscom. He then said that they were trying to take him away, but Allah the Almighty made arrangements here. And not only that, but Allah the Almighty bestowed his grace in such a manner that his salary here increased to even more than that of his boss. The National Secretary for Umur Kharja, Zahid Saib, says that I knew him for 26 years. I had the opportunity of serving with him in Khudam al He was a very respectable and dignified individual, regular in offering prayers and fasting, devoted to worship, very hardworking, loyal and obedient to Khilafat. He was a kind friend and a sociable person. From his youth, he had a different disposition as compared to other youth. I have never seen him angry, nor have I seen any traces of anger on his face or in the tone of his voice. I have never seen him raise his voice or speak in a harsh tone. And even if mistakes were made, he would take us aside and explain in a kind manner. He met everyone young and old in a polite manner and with a smile. He always had a slight smile on his face. He was a living example of being ready to sacrifice one's life, wealth, time and honour. And not only did he guide many youth in Switzerland regarding their education and future, but there are dozens who he helped securing work. Under Khudam al-Ahmadiyya, he established the Ahmadiyya Hiking Club and introduced many youth to hiking. He possessed an extraordinary determination. He further says that once I asked him whether he felt afraid while hiking. To this he replied that he did, and his family did not like it. But the solution he came up with was that he met with the Khalifa of the time. He came and met me, and he said that he presented the suggestion that if permission was granted, if I granted him permission, then he intended to climb the highest peaks in each of the seven continents and raise the flag of Ahmadiyyat on each one. He said that he expressed his anxiousness lest I do not give him permission to do this. But I told him that he should raise the flags if he was able to do so. He then said that as a result, inshallah, this is exactly what he would do. And thus this young man never looked back and tirelessly worked to attain this great objective. He climbed one peak after the other and he was able to raise the flag of Ahmadiyyat at the highest peak of the world, Mount Everest. The person mentioning this further states that I do not know whether his demise can be considered a martyrdom or not. However, from what I have personally witnessed, I can say that he had such a passion for his faith which is only found amongst those virtuous people who seek to attain the station of martyrdom. In my view, he indeed had a noble objective and with a great zeal he tried to convey the message of Islam and Ahmadiyyat and the message of God Almighty's unity and indeed proved successful in this endeavour. And he returned to his Lord in his endeavour to fulfil this noble objective. And thus, he most surely must have attained the rank of martyr. We also pray to Allah the Almighty that may he grant him the station of martyrdom and count him amongst the martyrs.
His father, Qadim Hussain Varaj Sahib, says that we saw that our son was continuing to excel and was climbing one mountain after the other, and he never looked back. My friends would often ask me that why I wouldn't stop him, as this is a very dangerous hobby to have. And I would respond by saying that even if I were to try, he wouldn't stop, because he has a passion of raising the flag of the Jamaat on every high peak of the world and to spread the message of the unity of God. Another friend writes that once I asked Sadr Sahib, Ayyabdul Wahid Raj Sahib, what he would listen to on his phone whilst climbing mountains in order to motivate himself. Upon this, Sadr Sahib told me that he had downloaded the books of the promised Messiah and he would listen to those whilst on his journey. Similarly, he says that I once asked Sadr Sahib that how he would offer his worship at such high altitudes and in such extreme cold weather. He said that Murabi Sahib, I thoroughly enjoy worshipping on mountains. The thought crosses my mind that the prophets of Allah the Almighty used to seclude themselves on mountains away from the hustle and bustle of this world in order to worship. He further says that Abdul Wahid Baraj Sahib once told me about one of his journeys that while climbing the Denali mountain which is located in North Alaska and is the coldest mountain in the world his index finger froze. Upon freezing the wound had developed and when he showed the wound to a doctor, the doctor said that it was completely frozen and was now no longer functioning with his body. And so the doctor suggested that they would have to cut it off immediately. Sadr Sahib replied that this is the finger for Shahada, i.e. declaring the unity of God, which we use during prayers to bear witness to the oneness of God, and under no circumstances could he have this finger cut off. Afterwards, Allah the Almighty bestowed His grace and through prayers, that finger was completely healed. May Allah the Almighty also enable His children to continue His virtuous deeds. His good qualities were greater than just what others have mentioned and which I personally have seen in Him as well. He would demonstrate utmost obedience to every instruction of the Khalifa and he did not merely claim this verbally. In fact, he was extremely loyal and sincere and would strive to continue progressing in this. He was among such individuals who leave behind a void. In any case, as I said, that his objective was to raise the flag of Allah the Almighty's religion and his unity in all the peaks which he was able to successfully achieve. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his station. The next funeral is of respected Amdul Noor Sahiba, wife of Dr. Abdul Malik Shamim Sahib and daughter of Amdul Rashid Begum Sahiba and Mia Abdul Rahman Sahib. She passed away on 15th June in Washington, Inna Lillahi wa Inna Ilaihi Rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, she was a Musia.
Amdul Nur Sahiba was the great-granddaughter of the Promised Messiah and on her mother's side she was the great-granddaughter of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I She was the maternal granddaughter of Hazrat Muslim and Hazrat Sayyidah Amdul Hay Sahiba and the paternal granddaughter of the companion of the Promised Messiah Hazrat Professor Ali Ahmed of Bihar. As I mentioned earlier, that she married Dr. Abdul Malik Shamim Sahib, son of Molvi Abdul Baki Sahib. And Allah the Almighty had granted them two daughters. Her nikah was announced by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, Rahimahullah. And after reciting the Quranic verses that are recited during the nikah ceremony, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, Rahimahullah, stated, that in the verses recited on the occasion of a nikah, it is also mentioned that in order for one to reform their deeds, it is necessary for them to always speak the truth. The majority of troubles and worries are brought about as a result of ill actions. And when it comes to mutual relationships, the absence of speaking the truth is what leads to bad deeds being committed. If one were to speak truthfully as behoves a true believer, there would be no room for misunderstandings and no any risk of disorder or worry. May Allah the Almighty enable us all to carry out good deeds and may He bring about the means for us all to reform our deeds and may we develop the habit of speaking the truth to the extent that it becomes our hallmark. On this occasion, another five or six nikahs were also announced and with regards to these nikahs, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III Rahimahullah stated that one nikah is of a relative of mine whom I hold very dear to me and is like my daughter. She is the daughter of Mia Abdul Rahim Sahib and of my younger sister Amtul Rashid Begum Sahiba, that is Amtul Noor, who is being married to Dr. Abdul Malik Shamim, son of Molvi Abdul Baki Sahib. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III Rahimahullah then stated that I pray to Allah the Almighty that through His mercy He makes them and those being joined in the other five matrimonies the recipients of eternal joy. Hazur then said to each couple and to all Ahmadis that the real intention should be for the betterment of Islam. After a long period of struggle, Ahmadiyyat is destined to have the final and complete success in the path of the triumph of Islam. Therefore, it is necessary for one generation after the other to attain a proper moral training and to develop the right mentality. If the mercy of God Almighty is not present, then all of one's efforts would prove futile, useless and fruitless. Thus, our prayers that with the grace of Allah the Almighty, these ties of matrimony and the ones which have already been formed within the community and the ones to happen in the future bring about the means for the strengthening and establishment of Islam. Sahibzadi Amtul Noor Sahiba had the honour of rendering her services to the Jamaat. She served as the National Tarbiyat Secretary of USA, the National Naib Sadr of USA, and also the local Southern legend of Washington and was a member of numerous committees. Her eldest daughter, Amdul Majib, says that she always gave precedence to her faith over the world. She was extremely compassionate to others. If she was ever able to help others, she would do so in an extraordinary manner. She was always very mindful of her worship. And apart from the five daily prayers, if I ever woke up in the night, I would see her offering the Tahajjud prayers.
Amdul Noor Sahib's husband passed away in an accident a long time ago and her daughter states that after our father passed away, our mother spent 20 years as a widow, but even in this state, she had complete trust in Allah the Almighty. Her gratitude was always very evident and she would always say that Allah the Almighty has showered us with so many blessings and favours. She further states that I would always hear her saying that God Almighty has promised that if we are grateful, He will grant us more and so we should always remain grateful. Her qualities of having an open heart, hospitality, true compassion for others and reconciling between people were very prominent. Her daughter further states that on many occasions I heard my mother say the words of the promised Messiah that reconciliation is not when others come to reconcile so you do the same. A true reconciliation is to reconcile with others when they cut off ties with you. And I witnessed this quality in her that she would look for the good characteristics in everyone she had a bond with. She took care of her relatives, members of the community and her neighbours. And if ever a new guest would come to attend the mosque, she would look for them to sit and speak with them and welcome them. Countless people have said that she was a very loved person. Her second daughter has written that she showed great affection to members of the community, especially to new converts. And people would also show a lot of love back to her. She always desired to help everyone and she would always be worried lest she met someone who was in need and she was unable to fulfill their need. Amtul Noor Sahiba's elder sister, Amtul Basir Sahiba writes that there was an African-American sister by the name Sister Shakura and when she went to perform Hajj she saw in a dream that the house of Noshi was in Mecca. At home, Amtul Noor Sahiba was known as Noshi and she saw that her house was in Mecca. When Sister Shakura went to live with her, Amtul Noor Sahiba said that this was the meaning of the dream in that you have come to me and I am now serving you. Her sister Amtul Basir Sahiba continues writing that the African-American sister Shakura stayed at Noshi's house for 18 years, eight years of which were spent in bed as her eyesight was lost completely. And Noshi took great care of her and she would also help her in her prayers as she would forget. I also witnessed her taking great care of sister Shakura. When I visited USA, she would sit her in her wheelchair and bring her to meet me. And sister Shakura was also very grateful to her for her help. Amtul Noor Sahiba had a great passion for preaching. She would try to take every opportunity to speak about the Jamaat and if ever asked where she was from in Pakistan, she would always reply by saying Rabwa and from there she would continue her discussion. There was a Jewish family which had the honour of accepting Ahmadiyyat. In this family is a woman named Ruqayya Asad Sahiba who has been part of USA's national honour. She says that Amdul Noor Sahiba had a very lovely character and many people derived benefit from her. 
And whoever had the opportunity to spend time in her presence would praise her qualities. She spent her life practically in accordance with Islam Ahmadiyyat and as a result people were positively affected by this. She was an example for everyone and through narrating various accounts and in light of the writings of the Promised Messiah she had dedicated her life for the moral training of the Lajna members. She participated in all the programs and always volunteered to offer her services. She faced all her difficulties and troubles with patience, forbearance and determination. And in this regard, she was an example for others. She preached with love and sincerity, and she was at the forefront in looking after the guests. She was an example for young and elderly women alike. She further writes that as I grow older, my respect for her continues to increase. She then further writes that we must serve humankind and take care of the poor and needy, just as Auntie Noshi used all of her time for many years serving even those who weren't her relatives. That is to say, that she had devoted all her time to serve others. Likewise, other women, especially African-American women, have written that she had a very loving relationship with them and that she taught them so much about the teachings of Ahmadiyya. May Allah the Almighty enable her children to also continue her good deeds and remain firmly attached to Khilafat. She always maintained a bond of loyalty with Khilafat and I personally witnessed this as she demonstrated her example of complete obedience and humility. May Allah the Almighty grant her his forgiveness and mercy. The next funeral is of Bismillah Begum Saiba, wife of Nasir Ahmed Khan Sahib Bahadur Sher, who was the former in charge of Hafaz De Khas. She passed away in Germany on 14th June at the age of 84. <coughs> Ahmadiyyat was introduced to her family through her father, Hazrat Chaudhary Mazur al Haq Khan Sahib Kartkari. He also had the honour of working in the boarding school in Qadiyan and the Promised Messiah gifted him a kurta, i.e. loose clothing worn in the subcontinent as tabarru. She has five daughters and two sons. One of her sons is Mahmoud Ahmed Saib, who is a missionary and also the missionary in charge of Fiji as well as the Amir of the country. Our missionary in Mubaldiq, Mahmoud Ahmed Saib, writes that after the demise of my father, whatever income would be generated from our land, my mother would first pay the chandal. She would save the money from my father's pension and not spend it, and with this amount she built a mosque in the south of Tairabad, and she always advised us to hold firm to Khilafat. He then further writes that after my father passed away, she gave us the love of both a mother and a father and never made us feel that we were missing a father. At the time, I was in my first year of Jami Ahmadiyya and she would often tell me that you are a soldier of the faith and you have dedicated yourself for your faith. You must stand wherever the Khalifa appoints you. And she would repeat these words right till the end. 
He further writes that in the beginning it was only my father who moved from our village to Rabwa, and due to this all our friends and family would regularly visit Rabwa, and my mother would make food and accommodation arrangements for them in a very cheerful manner, and she would host guests beyond her capacity despite her limited means. She knew full well how to fulfil the rights of neighbours, and she always treated my class fellows as her own children. She would often say to me to bring home the students who are from other countries and staying in the hostels so that they remain attached with Jamia. He further states the students of Jamia would often receive her affection and many students bear witness to this. Her affection was not limited to only those in Pakistan, in fact it extended to the students from Indonesia and African countries as well. He further states that whatever money she had, she would distribute it or give it in charity and no one dared to tell her to keep it for herself. This missionary was unable to attend the funeral due to his work in the field and as I mentioned he is the missionary in charge and Amir of Fiji and thus he could not attend. May Allah the Almighty grant him and her other children forbearance and patience and enable them to continue her good deeds. And may Allah the Almighty grant her his forgiveness and mercy. The next funeral is of Colonel Javed Rushdi Sahib, son of Chaudhary Abdul Ghani Rushdi Sahib from Rawalpindi. He passed away quite some time ago. Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah, he was a Musi, and after his retirement from the army, he occupied himself in service to the community. Aside from serving as the Talim Secretary, Vakfajidi Secretary, and Rishdanata Secretary, he also served as the local Vasir Secretary. He served three terms as the Sadr of Satellite Town Rawalpindi. He was very regular in his prayers and would aid people financially in a discreet manner. He was compassionate in nature and would always help and guide his relatives, neighbours, and others who were facing hardships. He was a good organiser and had a sound understanding of matters. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy. And inshallah after the prayers I will lead the funeral prayer. وَنُؤْمِنُ بِهِ وَنَتَوَكَّلُ عَلَيْهِ وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ شُرُورِ أَنفُسِنَا وَمِنْ سَيِّئَاتِ أَعْمَالِنَا مَنْ يَهْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْهُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبَادَ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِيتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَيَنْهَانِ الْفَاشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغِيِ يَعِزُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ أُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ 